to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YA Life podcast hosted by Dawn Abram and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the projector of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. to the novel universe with your host Dawn, the criticizer of books, and in this podcast I will be counting down my favorite OTPs of the decade. Now OTP stands for one true pairing, in other words my favorite relationships or couples uh, from YA books over the past decade. I chose these romances because they were incredibly epic, their story was beautiful or tragic, and they were just my favorite part of the book to read. So without further ado, let's get started. And these are in no particular order except the first one, which is Kaz and Inej from Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. So this is one of, this is my favorite OTP because of the way it's written. I think authors feel like they have to put romance on the page, physical romance on the page. And I believe that Bardugo proved that you don't have to. If you have not read Six of Crows, you should probably skip through this first one because I am going to spoil some of it for you. So I would just say, I'm going to let you know when I start to spoil it. So just so you know. I like this romance because, as I said before, there's no physical romance on the page, really. It is a very slow burn romance and I was all for it and I'm really happy that Bardugo did that okay so now I'm going to go into spoilers if you have not read Six of Crows a why not and b you need to after I finish my podcast so um the reason why I loved Kaz Nanej is because of their backstories particularly Kaz he wears gloves because he he was left on a barge with his brother on a bunch of decaying bodies, including his brother. And now he has this phobia of touching people. So he always wears gloves and he has met Inej who was sold into sex slavery and just experienced many atrocities with that. And she is also afraid of like intimacy. So, the two of them together with their problems, it really does make sense that by the end of the series, they're not full on making out or banging because they have problems with intimacy and love and touching. And my favorite quote from the book, from book one, Six of Crows is, I don't know where they are, but it's just Kaz and Inej and they're standing together. And Inej says, I will have you without armor, Cass Brecker, or I will not have you at all. And I have this on a bag. I bought a bag that has this quote because it's, it was my favorite quote of the book. And I read this book months before it was published. And so I picked that out of the book as my favorite. And then it, it ended up being everybody's favorite quote because it's on everything. That and no funerals, no mourners or something like that. But I love that because it basically culminates their entire relationship because they both have armor up 
And in book two, my favorite scene is chapter 26, where uh, Kaz has to change Inej's bandages, her dressing. She's bleeding through her bandages and he takes her to the bathroom. She sits on the sink and he has to take off his gloves and he has to kind of touch her because he has to cut off her bloody bandages and change it. And during that whole scene, it's just him and his conscious or his like his train of thought as he has to cut her bandages away while trying to avoid touching her. But at the same time, he wants to touch her and she's telling him, I understand what you're going through. I have troubles touching people too. And he wants to so bad, but he just cannot do it. And it is such a beautiful scene because it's so tense and it's just like, just touch her already, just touch her already. And he can't. And then by the end of the book, I was just like, okay, I just need them to hold hands. I need something to happen. And by the end of the book, they end up holding hands and like interlocking fingers. And that was the most beautiful romantic moment in any YA book I've ever read. So if anybody tells you that you need sex on the page or like kissing or making out on the page, you really don't. Bardugo managed to put quite an intimate moment in a book with two characters that really don't touch at all. So you can turn your computers back on or not turn your computers back on, but Spoilers are over, spoilers are over, and now I'm going to move on to my next couple, which is Will and Tess from The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare. Will is quite similar to Kaz. I can't remember specifically what his problem is. I can't remember if he's cursed or something. I read this book a really long time ago, but there's a reason why he pushes Tess away, and he he's mean to her, and he's trying to make himself hate her and also make her hate him because he doesn't want her to get too close to him because he's going to break her heart and I think it's because he's cursed and I like his backstory which is what makes their relationship beautiful because he's got a tragic tale and she loves him but he's like purposely pushing her away and as the reader we know that and so it changes the dynamic of the story when you're the reader and you know why the main character is pushing their love interest away. And it just makes it so much more sadder than it needs to be. Or not needs to be, but it just makes it a sad, an even sadder story than it would have been. Um, I am not going to say anything else because it was a spoiler. I'm not going to talk about Jem, but needless to say, I was team Will, not team Jem. Okay. My next couple is Magnus and Cleo from The Falling Kingdoms by Morgan Rhodes. I like the first three books in this series and books four through seven I thought were pieces of shit. And the only reason why I continue to read them is because I really wanted to see what happened with Magnus and Cleo. I could really care about whatever else was happening in those books. And here's why. Magnus was the tropey crowned prince who had daddy issues however he was in love with his sister so it was a different dynamic in his story and his sister was the beloved one he's constantly seeking approval from his dad he is in love with his sister and he's like ew no and so he's like medicating himself with like women and alcohol meanwhile we have Cleo who is very strong she's a princess as well I believe she is second in line for the throne. She has an older sister and she's very strong. 
just very strong-willed, has a mouth on her. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She's she's very beautiful and blonde, and everyone thinks she's just this vapid princess that doesn't care about anything, but that's far from the truth. So, anyway, they, like, he is a crown prince of his kingdom. She is a princess of her kingdom. So, of course, they're going to try and get these two together, and they do. They are, they have to be married before alliances and they hate each other, and there are there are specific reasons why, which I won't say. But this relationship starts off as they're married and they hate each other. But they slowly, of course, over the course of seven books, they learn to love each other. And what I like best about these cu- this couple is that Cleo makes Magnus a better man. And she slowly does that throughout the books, and they're a great couple. So if you decide to read Fallen Kingdoms, it's worth it just for Magnus and Cleo. And when I met Morgan Rhodes, I had her write in my book, Magnus and Cleo Forever, because I love that couple. My next couple is Dorian and Manon from Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. Dorian, some people love Dorian, some people hate him. I was on the Dorian train from the start. I loved him from book one. Yes, just like Magnus, he is the tropey crown prince who has daddy issues and medicates it by drinking in lots of broads. Okay. And I wanted Selena with Dorian over Kale. I did not like Kale. I thought he was a snooze bag and I liked Dorian better, but we all know what happens there, especially if you read the book. But throughout the course of the book, Dorian grows, he finds love, he loses love, and then by book five I believe Ember um Empire of Storms he's basically been reduced to a little bitch he is horrible he's just sullen and whiny and doesn't contribute at all and I'm just like oh god Dorian you're killing me because he's my favorite character in the story not my favorite but he's in the top three and in comes Manon who is once again very strong she don't take shit from nobody she's the leader of her clan and the two of them get together and it's just like, oh, wow. I personally think that Sarah J. Mass kind of made their romance too quick. It was too quick for me. Like they were banging quite early on. And of course, you know, I probably shouldn't have been shocked because Sarah J. Mass is not known for her slow burn. But that kind of bothered me a little bit, but I got over it. And so by the last book, Manon, um, spoiler, so I'm going to do a spoiler if you haven't read Throne of Glass, fast forward to this right now until I get to my next couple. But in the middle of Kingdom of Ash, which is the last book in the series, Manon, who is, as I said, very strong, very independent, she does not show any vulnerability and she does and she proposes to Dorian and he leaves her he he just leaves her the next morning she wakes up and he's gone and I sobbed sobbed because I, I cried for Manon's loss for the fact that she just put herself out there and then he left her which he had a reason to a very good reason to leave her nonetheless he did anyway and Manon's whole story in the last book was just just hard to read anyway but that just made it worse so yeah they are a great couple and I just want them to just be together and live happily ever after in Ardalan and have little witch babies and hopefully that happens at least that's how I, I picture it happening even if Sarah J Mass doesn't 
Okay, my next couple is Nikolai and Zoya from King of Scars. I don't remember Zoya in the Shadow and Bone series. I remember Nikolai vividly because Nikolai is one of my favorite protagonists. But I was really bummed that I didn't remember her in the Shadow and Bone series because she's great. She's a great character. And I like the two of them. But once again, we have this conflict because I believe she's the captain of this guard. And he they both love each other, but they're not saying it. And I don't think they realize that they love each other. But at the same time, she's like, I'm the captain. I'm his captain. Um, he's my king. I cannot fall in love with the king. And he's like, she's my captain. I cannot fall in love with my captain. It's not going to work. But she cares for him so much. And you can see after he like comes out of his obscural form, whatever you want to call it. I know it's not obscural. That's from Harry Potter. But he, he turns into this thing, and when he comes out of this thing, she is always the one to nurse him back to health, and she just watches him sleep, and and it's just like, oh my god, it's so sweet. And then she has to watch him date and be betrothed to these other ladies and probably get married to somebody, and she just has to watch it, and it's just like, oh my god, it's so sweet, and it's so sad at the same time, and... Bardugo is known for pairing her couples together. She pairs her, her characters together all the time, which can get a kind of annoying. But at the same time, she does a slow burn. So it's it's going to be, if she does pair them together, it's going to be really slow. And, you know, she can pull it off. I, I'm here for it. But I do hope she puts them together. My next couple is Harper and Helene from The Ember of Ashes by Saba Tahir. So I hate book two and book three with a passion if I decide to read book four it is only because of Helene I could give a shit about Elias and Laia Leia whatever her name is I don't care but I like Harper and Helene I honestly don't remember what happens in Reaper of the Gates I just remember that they were kind of hot and heavy it was kind of a love from afar because once again she is the blood strike which is like second in command and he is her captain he's the captain of her army or whatever so it's one of those dynamics where they can't love each other but they kind of do and he kind of if I recall correctly he's kind of down to earth where Helene is really intense and she's always on 10 and like go 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 fight 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 and he kind of brings her back down to earth a little bit so I think they have a really good dynamic going there so if I do decide to read book four I'm hoping in any case, there's a little booty time or something, if anything. And there may have been in this book. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's been so long and I didn't like the book. So I don't know. We'll see about that. My next OTP is Declan. And I won't say because it's a spoiler from Call Down the Hawk by Maggie Stiefvater. Declan is a great character. He's one of my new favorite characters because the way he's written, he's a different man depending on whose eyes we're seeing him through. So when we see him through his own eyes, he's a self-proclaimed boring person, which he is. And when we see him through Ronan's eyes, he's an authoritarian because he's had to step in and be Ronan's father. So it's a constant, Ronan, get dressed. Ronan, go to class. Ronan take care of Matthew and so that's all you see is this finger wagging 20 year old man or 22 however old he is and then this new character 
he's very charismatic and very sexy and you're like oh I like this Declan he's a totally different person when he's with her and I love it and there's a moment in Call Down the Hawk and it's very innocent and sweet but the way it's written is very sexy where she's sitting on I believe she's sitting on a counter and he goes up to her to talk to her and he kind of he spreads his knees so her knees so that he can like get up close to her and just that little line where he like opens her knees so that he could get I was like oh my god but Maggie Stiefvater does not write love on the page so I doubt we're gonna get much from them but just that little bit was enough so I don't know I'm hoping the two of them get together I like them a lot they're my new favorite OTP we'll see how that goes next is Gansey and Blue from the Raven Cycle so Gansey and Blue have a subplot where Blue's mother is a psychic and she's basically said that if you kiss the man you love he will die and she's seen him dead so Blue has stayed away from Gansey but she's in love with him and he's in love with her and they can't do anything about it because she's dating Adam which is his best friend but there are moments throughout the series where there's like a look or a touch or something small and Gansey or Blue will be like stop or we can't do this or whatever and finally in the last book all I needed for the last book The Raven King was for them to find Glendower and for Gansey and Blue to kiss and the, it both happened and the kiss was great I was crying I was cheering I was very happy it finally happened the Glendower ending was some bullshit but I was happy with the kiss so I like Blue and Gansey I believe they in Call Down the Hawk they are on like sabbatical somewhere so yay for them and my final OTP of 2019, why do I keep saying that? It's the decade, not 2019, is Jamie and Charlotte from The Study in Charlotte by Brittany Cavallaro. So there are four books in this series. I've only read two of them because the story gets a little convoluted, so I just couldn't continue with the series anymore. But I loved Jamie and Charlotte. If you are unfamiliar with the series, it is a reimagining of Sherlock Holmes. So Charlotte is the Sherlock character. She's a female. And Jamie is the John Watson character. They're both descendants of Sherlock and Watson. And the reason why I like them is Charlotte, much like Sherlock, is a very tragic character. Her life is chaos. Her family is ridiculous. And she doesn't have anything consistent in her life except for Jamie. Jamie is reliable. He is her friend and he loves her unconditionally. However, in book two, they start to talk about exploring their friendship into a romantic relationship and they end up having a very honest conversation about that which you don't see too much in YA fiction. I thought the conversation that Brittany Cavallaro wrote was a bit too mature for high school juniors. However, I appreciated it because it's not what you get very often in YA fiction. And I like the two of them together. I think that they are written beautifully, Charlotte in particular. If you haven't read the series, book one especially is a great book. 
book two starts to, uh, but book one is fantastic. The writing is beautiful. So, um, yeah, Jamie and Charlotte from A Study in Charlotte. All right, those are my favorite OTPs of the decade. I will be counting down my favorite protagonists and antagonists of the decade in the upcoming podcast. I have finished Ninth House, and I will be podcasting that tomorrow and uploading that tomorrow. So that will be the end of that book. So thank you for joining me, and I'll catch you in the next podcast.